Candace, I feel like we've been basically just waiting for this question to come through <laughs> because I think it's <laughs> so important and I really just wanted an excuse to talk about it. Well, this is the big decision. This is the yeah. one we all have control over. We all have agency. We can do it. This is the episode. And we have to make this decision multiple times per day. Yes, all of us. <laughs> Apparently, it's a big enough decision that our question asker has been in a longstanding argument with her husband about oh, it. Oh, boy. <laughs> so this is Akiko Miyake Stoner. She lives in Clovis, which is just outside of Fresno. Mm -hmm. And she wants to know, which is better for the environment? Eating seafood or eating chicken? Oh, I'm fighting words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the backstory is actually kind of fun here. She was a pescatarian for years, just eating fish and plants until she met her meat-eating husband. Mm. He would say to me, you know, it's worse. It's worse to eat fish for the environment. It's worse to overfish the oceans than to eat chicken. They have a smaller carbon footprint. And I didn't know if that was true or not. And so that's why I decided to ask you folks. So many people, like, I know we're talking about fish and chicken, but there's also like pork or lamb, yep. quinoa or rice, meat right. or rye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's so many decisions. Although with Akiko's question, at least, you know, we're just comparing these two foods. And I think, I mean, I think I know the right answer here. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's chicken, <laughs> We <right>? disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's find out who's right. Okay. This is the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast your practical personal guide to protecting the planet. I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the LA River. And I'm Kaylee Wells, KCRW's climate reporter. Okay, let me hear your case for fish. It's fish, for God's sake. <laughs> why is it fish? <laughs> Tell me why it's fish. I, it, you know, I just, I have, I'm a 90% pescatarian. Mm -hmm. This has been like a choice I made way back in college. Um, it's the sort of thing, I think I just have a lot of emotional attachment to, like, what I learned, which okay. is that this, the seafood is just so much better, easier when you're thinking about water, when you're sure. thinking about waste. And I'm always thinking about water. Uh, of right? course. In my life, I'm always thinking about water. So, yes, maybe per calorie or per bite or whatever wacky tool is out there, I just have it in my head that fish is the better way. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. With our, with our lovely caller. I... You're, okay, I guess perhaps my argument is also a little emotional because I kind of can't stand fish. Oh, I don't like any fish. I can't deal with you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're never going out together. <laughs> You're right. I know. You were talking about your shrimp tacos earlier, and I yes. was like, oh, great yes. for you. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I thought chicken because they don't take up a lot of space. It's not like other farm animals. Mm -hmm. We eat almost all of it. We eat the legs and the wings and the breasts, so it's like really efficient. And they also, they don't live very long before they're slaughtered. They oh, only live God. like... You know, for a few weeks. It's not like months and months like cows. Well, that's true. So. I'm with you. Okay. So after you brought this up, I did some research. And the thing is, we need to define what better for the planet means. Sure. It's not just warms the planet least or fewest emissions or requires the least amount of water. Yeah. Those three different measurements will re result in three different answers of what's best. So that's that's really kind of the important thing to remember here. But when we're talking about food... There's use of land, there's use of water, there's disturbance of natural habitat, there's did you cut down the rainforest to grow this, uh -huh. right? Um, there's pollution of the air and the water and the soil. It's, it just depends on how you want to slice it. Yeah, that's for. And I'm assuming, like you said, water use. I know that's the thing you care about. Fish, mm -hmm. I would imagine, have to win because you don't need to, like, water them. They just live in the water. But it depends on what fish, right? Fish mm -hmm. from these huge farms that are a huge problem and we're getting algae blooms. and I mean, it really does really depend. Anyway, overall, it's really close, but the answer 
very narrowly after the research is in, appears to be chicken. Yay! I'm not hearing it. (laughs) That's great. I really, I don't like fish. (sighs) Whatever, dude. (laughs) Okay, fine. You can keep your chicken. But I think we should broaden this out a bit because there are also protein sources that are way nicer to the planet than your lovely chicken. Right, of course. And the climate decision is a really, really big one. Yeah, arguably one of the biggest, at least according to our expert this week. Her name is Dana Hunnis. She's a senior clinical dietitian. Mm. She's a UCLA professor. She's an author. Basically, just your go-to expert on this intersection of climate and diet. If I had to select the most impactful thing that you as one individual can do on a daily basis to help both your own health and the health of the planet as a whole— That would be to look at your next meal, your plate, because the foods that we eat actually contribute one-third of all greenhouse gases on the planet. That's even more than all the cars, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes, 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 yes. This is the drum we have been beating. What you eat matters. Everybody eats, and this is why it's such a huge impact, but also— So easy to change right now. It's Mm -hmm. the thing you can do. We were talking on our previous episode. What can you do? Food, food, food. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And you can do it multiple times per day. Absolutely. And you can do it without breaking the bank Mm -hmm. either. That's right. And the good news is if you're a heavy meat eater now, that means you get to make the biggest change. How cool is that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hannes says... Beef alone, you might not be surprised to hear this, Mm -mm. far and away is the worst thing. 80% of animal agriculture industry's greenhouse gas emissions comes from beef Mm -hmm. and dairy cows. Mm -hmm. And something I didn't think about, because I think of cows and I think of methane, they also require a lot of land and a lot of water. You can take the shortest shower in the world, but if you eat a cheeseburger, that would be like taking three months' worth of showers every single day. So I have a funny story about this. Great. From Love that. the environmental education world. We do all kinds of things with students and in youth and schools. And so right. we had this like kind of like a competition where students were looking for ways to save water to really impact the ocean. And so one year, there were these students who had done a survey. Okay. How long are boys taking in the shower versus how long girls are taking in the shower? I don't think the gender thing mattered at all because it was appalling. Like, these people were taking 30 minutes. These people were taking 45 minutes. And I was just like, I was on my knees going, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. (laughs) And I was so excited that they were going to make a change. They were going to teach these other, their fellow students that they were being totally wasteful and ruining the planet and needed to stop taking these long showers, right? (laughs) That is not the solution they came up with. The solution they came up with was they were going to pledge to not eat at In-N-Out or another burger or other beef twice a week so that they could keep their long ass showers. (laughs) And you know, once you know how much red meat really impacts the water and water consumption, I could do nothing but applaud these children. Yeah. Well, good on them. That's still very impressive. Um, Beyond beef, though, you said this other thing recently to me about eating lower on the food chain. Mm, Can mm-hmm. you explain a little bit about what that means? It means fruits and vegetables. Oh, I know. Gasp. Okay. Uh, it just means not meat. It means like when you're looking at the food chain and who's on top and who's in the middle and who's on the bottom, plants are at the bottom. That's oh, yeah, super okay. low, right? That's the fuel for everyone unless you want to get into insects and you can eat insects. Insects eating has happened that's all over the world. That's true. Oh, that's going to be a little harder for me. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> uh, well, we can talk about that. Okay. But what we're talking about when we say eat lower on the food chain is we're talking about really kind of centralized fruits and vegetables in your diet. Mm -hmm. Prioritize those things. Okay. I I like that framing because it's also, it's not black and white and it's really positive. It doesn't say like, 
never eat beef again. You right. have to eat tofu. But, you know, it's like trying to go toward a, you're trending a direction, right. trending lower on the food chain. A little less of this, a little more of that. Yeah. This is not a, an all in, either or, give it up, put it away, never do it again. This is a little less of this, a little more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hunnis kind of has the same idea. I mean, I don't tell people you have to go vegan because, I mean, that's just a non-starter for 95% of the population. It's kind of a non-starter for me at the moment, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be mm-hmm. honest here because mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting better, sure. I think. Like, sure. I used to eat red meat monthly. Now I eat it, like, biannually. Oh, that's really good. Um, yeah. You know, it's like when you go to the wedding and they sure. have a nice steak. Yes. Oh, I'm going to eat Absolutely. that steak. Absolutely. And I still, I, I still practice Lent. So, you know, right now I'm actually meat-free. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I do that for 40, whatever it is, 48 days. Yeah, yeah. Um, our other rule in my house, we don't buy meat at the grocery store. That's right. So if we're going to go eat out, it's like a treat well, to go and get my fried chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear that. And I think that what helps for a lot of people is this idea of decolonizing your plate. If you are mm-hmm. used to a typical, like, picture-perfect Norman Rockwell American diet, imagine a plate and it's got, you know, maybe meatloaf. We talked about meatloaf a yep, little earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's got mashed potatoes and it's got peas. And when you think about not eating meat anymore, you just imagine a plate with just a pile of mashed potatoes and a pile of peas and it feels it's very really sad. It feels very sad and, <laughs> yeah. and, and deprived. But we eat a lot of curry at home, right? Mm-hmm. We eat a lot of foods from other parts of the world where people have been eating lower on the food chain forever and ever. And it's not a hard thing to do. It's bringing in lentils. It's bringing in other types of protein. It's bringing in uh, just kind of being more creative and decolonizing yeah. that way of thinking of food. It's not an empty spot on your plate. It's a different dish. Yeah. Yeah. When I go home, I end up eating similar to the way that I grew up okay. eating. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, we have— How's that working out? Well, it's not <laughs> always my—it doesn't feel very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over the holidays, I, you know, I had more meat. I had more red meat than I yes, normally do, and I, yes. it makes me feel worse. Like, my skin breaks out. Right. Uh, the dairy mm-hmm. ends up making my yes. stomach feel all kinds of ways. <laughs> and I guess I never really appreciated how much healthier I feel now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the points that Hunnis says is a big part of her conversation with other people as a dietitian. Mm. And so when I think I have these conversations with people and kind of try to reference it around their own personal health and explain why a plant-forward diet, a plant-based diet is actually better for them, they tend to be a little more open-minded. And then if I'm lucky, I can hit them with, uh, oh, and by the way, did you know you're also doing an environmentally friendly thing by consuming less milk, by consuming less animal products in general? Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty straightforward. And, you know, you try it and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell when we're like being a little more loosey-goosey at our house and when sure. we're being a little more on top of things. You know, we don't feel as great, gain a little bit of weight, you know, and then sure. things get a little bit easier. So I would always encourage people, try this and see how you feel. Yeah. And let that be the test. And you don't have to do, you know, I hate mushrooms, but I'm still mm-hmm. pretty mostly vegetarian and you can still live a very good life eating the things that you like that are lower on the food chain. Yeah, absolutely. Pick and choose. There's so, so, so much. It's not, there's no shortage of things to try, different ways of approaching it, different alternative proteins. There's just so many options. Yeah. Let's turn this into some takeaways. 
Akiko, chicken or fish? Overall chicken, but there are better options. <laughs> right. And those better options are lower on the food chain. So vegetarian options are better than the omnivorous ones, and vegan ones are better than the vegetarian ones. I'm still not buying this chicken thing, but okay. <laughs> um, It's also not black and white. Vegans are planetary superstars in that they are doing all the right things. But yeah. their diet is not for everybody. So the fewer animal products, the better. If you can live without them, the good news is that you can do it multiple times a day. You have several opportunities. Your next good decision is just right around the corner. Right. So lots of chances to do that. And, you know, my weekly ice cream is a major life highlight. I'm not going to stop doing that. And we're not going to ask you to. But my dinner tonight <laughs> is vegan. So Love it. just take the wins where you can find them. Sounds fantastic. I'm eating some fish, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Kaylee, tell me something good. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about food, mm -hmm. and most meat-eating people don't usually choose to eat vegan. True. But do you know how you can get them to do that? How? You just don't call it vegan food. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this study, led by Petrusha Sloboda at Baruch College at the City University of New York in the Journal of Environmental Psychology— recently showed that people were more likely to eat something labeled healthy or sustainable than if they were labeled as vegan or plant-based. So when asking participants to choose between a vegan basket and a meat and dairy basket, only one in five chose the vegan one. But when the same vegan basket was labeled as healthy, a whopping two in five chose that basket. That's double. I know. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just by naming it something different. Okay. The researchers found that the label vegan tends to have this negative association while calling mm. food sustainable or healthy highlights that there are benefits to eating it. You know, I think it's that positive versus, you know, what are you working toward? We're working uh -huh. toward sustainability. We're working toward health. We're not working toward not having certain things. Right, yeah. Maybe that's like the difference. That's really interesting. Yep, it doesn't, it's not abstinence. It's right. like a, an opportunity. An opportunity, <laughs> right. So that's what we talked a little bit about earlier too. Like you don't have to go vegan. Eating healthier can look lots of different ways, um, but it probably includes more plants overall. So it's good for you and it's good for the planet. And it sounds like the next time my friend stays with me, I just need to tell them we're going to brunch at the healthy cafe healthy around cafe. the corner. <laughs> that's right. Not the vegan cafe. <laughs> That's it this week on the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast. If you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. And go ahead and ask us a question at kcrw.com slash climate. Next week, maybe you've decided you want to help the planet in your own backyard, and we'll help you figure out exactly how to do that. Is there a huge benefit to switching out just regular old drought-tolerant plants for California native ones, or is it more sustainable to work with what you've got? I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, CEO at Friends of the LA River and environmental educator. I'm Kaylee Wells, climate reporter at KCRW. Our executive producer is Sonia Geis. Our production assistant is Celine Mendiola. Technical director is Katie Gilcrest, And our music is by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. The Anti-Dread Climate Podcast is a KCRW production.